there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people, and today I have two guests for the price of one. There is a terrific new play that is currently showing in Los Angeles called Afterglow, and I have the writer and director, S. Asher Gelman, on, as well as one of the three stars, Noah Bridgestock, who plays Josh in the play. The play has three actors in it, and it's about... A couple who opens up their relationship to a third person in a way. And it's about all that comes with that. Um, There is nudity. There is a working shower. There are a lot of ideas. There is drama. There is a laundry scene that I will um, always remember. There's a lot going on. And I was so excited to talk to Asher and Noah about the show. But before I get into that... I want to remind you that there are now two ways you can enjoy this podcast, Dennis Anyone. You can listen, as you always do, on your favorite podcast app, or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. For $12.95 a month, you'll get access to my show 48 hours early, and you'll also be able to listen to a bunch of other great shows like the Derek and Romaine Show. Um, There's a whole host of shows that you'll get access to at dnrstudios.com, so go there to learn about it. And if you subscribe and say that Dennis Anyone is the show you listen to most, I will get a little money. Woohoo! All Right. And speaking of money, I want to give a shout out to a listener, Grant S., who left a little money in my virtual tip jar. I really appreciate that. Helps me cover the expenses of doing the podcast. And um, it really means a lot. So if you want to do that, you can do that at the website, DennisAnyone.net. And I also want to remind folks that I host virtual game nights of You Don't Know My Life. So if you're looking for something fun to do with your work crew that you're working remotely with, we've been doing a lot of those kind of games or with friends and family that are spread apart on Zoom, hit me up at youdon'tknowmylife.com. All right, enough of the plugs. Let's get to the interview. Here are S. Asher Gelman and Noah Bridgestock from Afterglow. All right, joining me now via Zoom, it's two of the men behind the terrific play that's now showing in Los Angeles, Afterglow. It's the playwright, director, and producer S. Asher Gelman, and one of the stars of the show, Noah Bridgestock. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. Um, I saw the show. Oh, I'm excited. I I was like, I can't wait to talk to these guys. I saw the show a few weeks ago. I've been thinking and talking about it ever since with people. How has it been going in L.A.? Because I know it ran for quite a while in New York. So, Asher, tell us about the L.A. experience so far, as far as you're concerned. We went out there, and we worked really, really, really hard for five weeks. It was exhausting. Uh, and so rewarding. Um, and it was just, it was, you know, because we, we, when we did it in New York, it was a very different experience. It was intended to be an eight-week run. We were, it was five years ago. We were all, all of us were at the very beginning of our careers. Um, and, and we kind of really didn't have any real idea of, like, what we had on our hands. Right. Um, and it all sort of, like, coalesced very organically. So then when it came to doing this production, which was originally supposed to open in uh, in spring 2020, I don't need to tell you what happened there. Right. Um, so, so like coming back now, like five years later with the original t- creative team, um, getting to work on the show again has been like such a dream. And like, it's it also this, this, this beautiful combination of like, like the old guard and the new guard, you know, like, like there's this very much like afterglow, like the next class sort of like situation. happening. Right. Exactly. Especially, especially watching like, uh, these incredible actors and the way that they just like, just bonded. So, um, 
so deeply over the process. It was, you know, you, you hope for this, right. obviously. Uh, but, but like it, 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 everything is always about personalities and you get, you get one bad, bad egg and that's it. And it was, so it was, it was such a, like a joy and, 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 you know, unexpected, but very, 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 very welcome fact that all, all these actors really just get along so beautifully and support each other so well. And like, what a, what a blessing to be able to work on the, on a, on a show in that environment. Noah, I want to hear about your experience with the show, but first Asher, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what the show's about? So Afterglow, uh, it's a play about, uh, Josh and Alex, a gay married couple in an open relationship. And they have a brief some one night with this young man named Darius, who is a massage therapist. And then a new intimate connection begins to form. And all three men must uh, come to terms with it in their own way, shapes, and forms. Now, Noah, how did you come to this play? How did you come to audition for it? What did you hear about it? How did it come into your life? Um, so it first came into my life. I saw, I saw the New York production um, towards the end of its run, I had a, I had a good friend who I had been on tour with step in, uh, and swing and, and play, go on for the role of Darius, um, the, at some of the last few weeks of the run. And so I saw the, I saw the production. So I've been aware of it since then. Um, so when the, when the audition came, I, I had to, I jumped at the chance to, uh, to submit for it. And Josh was a, a role that I had connected to, when I saw the performance, just, um, and the, the ability to get to sink my teeth into it, even for an audition was something that I was really like just chomping at the bits for. Now, what does the audition for something like this entail? Because there's a lot of nudity in it. There's a lot of really emotional scenes. There are, uh, sexual scenes. Like what's the audition like? Um, so it was a little bit different for me because I was moving from New York at the time. Right um, I'm, I'm a fresh transplant. Uh, so, so it was, it was a lot of, it was taping and doing stuff over, over zoom. Um, I, <clears throat> I, I was a little bold with my self tape and, uh, they had attached not only the initial sides for the, for the role, but right. also the callback side. So I threw caution to the wind and put both on tape just to see what happens. Right. Um, and I was lucky enough to get to read with, uh, Nathan who plays Darius. Um, and I got to meet Asher and everybody and, and it, it, it all happened very quickly. Right. So you were really into it right from the beginning because I yeah. think, you know, I've been doing this kind of journalism for a long time, and I've interviewed a lot of actors about playing different parts and sexual parts and gay parts, and there's always all this hand-wringing, or uh, back in the day there used to be, like, I don't know, and they taught me, and I was very, and you're like, no, I'm in. You're like, I am in. There's, it's so refreshing, right, that there's not a lot yeah. of, like, oh, what if this is going to happen to my agent, and like, no, I want to do this, right? Yeah. What spoke to you about it? Um, I think... When you when you really get down to it, the play is while it is about all these other things like polyamory and 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 love and trust, it's a play about communication and honesty and um, where the lack the lack thereof can steer a relationship wrong. And I think that that was something that drew me in specifically because uh, I mean who who can't relate to uh, a relationship with half-truths and white lies and, and uh, 
situations like that. It, you don't need to you don't need to have bring, brought a third into your relationship to understand what it means to have a million balls in the air and trying to make everyone happy. Right. The dynamics, and I'll get into some of these other themes as I progress, but it's about more than just what the poster says. There's money's involved, creativity's involved, power's involved, age, like different things. There's all these levels to it. Asher, where did the germ of the script come from for you? I understand it's based on your own experience, right? Yes. So uh, about eight years ago, shortly after my husband and I opened our relationship, I entered into a romantic relationship with another man for about two months. And because my husband and I were like sort of at the very beginning of our journey of consensual non-monogamy, we really lacked the experience and frankly, the vocabulary to be able to um, sort of responsibly navigate that situation. And it came very, very close to torpedoing my marriage. Um, So... Then, you know, a few years later, I decided, hell, you know, like, why don't I, why don't I write about the most dramatic thing that ever happened to me? And then just, and then just like sort of took the, the genus, the genus of it, and then really just turned up the volume on a lot of different elements in, in the, in the show to just, to, again, like raise the stakes and sort of just heighten the dramatic experience of the piece. Right. And Josh, you play, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Noah, you play Josh, who is sort of the man that's in the middle, who sounds like kind of where you were at, Asher, in the real situation. Is that fair to say? Yes, Josh Josh is loosely based on me. Right. But in terms of the <laughs> dynamic of the of the three characters, the one that's sort of the most torn in terms of his and the most emotionally invested in both uh partners. Yes. Yeah. Correct. I would say that. Um I loved how grown up it was and adult and there was this a run of plays back in the 90s and the 2000s that used nudity to draw people into the theater, but they weren't really about, they were, it was cutesy. It was like, you know, we're going to sing, but come see our dicks. Like, like, and they were fun. They're their own thing. But I like that your show was like, no, this is, we're going to tell the story. It's grown up. We're going to ask you to think about grown up things. And there was just something so not coy and cutesy, and I just appreciated that so much. Um, I don't know if I, if I have a question, but I guess my question is the frankness of it and the, and the treatment of it. Was it something you always wanted to depict in this way? Like, if we're going to do this, let's do it. This play is ultimately about honesty, communication, and transparency. Um, and so for me, it was never a question of, like, like, how are we going to tell this story? Because the truth of the matter is, is like so many of the scenes and like moments of dialogue in the play are based on conversations that I've had. Right. Um, and a lot of them are conversations that I've had while naked. Yes. You, don't, you're, you I, don't, you're not sitting there with the sheet like half there like they do all the time. There's so many cliches and I get it. It's different for everybody, but it's just refreshing to go, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's also like the way that we the way that we like dramatize sex is very interesting. You know, like, you know, there's always that scene in, in like, in like the movie or whatnot, where like, like the woman like rolls over and she's panting and she pulls the sheet across her chest yes. and you know that they've somehow had sex. And I'm like, barring like extreme circumstances where like you need to conserve heat. Like when was the last time that any of us had sex under a sheet? Right. Um, actually I, I, I have it like, I have it written in the, in the, in the, 
in the author notes that, um, that you know, like that the, the play requires nudity, um, right. and to do the, without nudity, um, would be a breach of contract. Um, right on for me. Yes. Like, well, because I think, I think, you know, it, it's funny because the, the play, it needs to be sexy, not as a gimmick, not as, not as a way of drawing, drawing at audiences, but because you, you really need to understand like why this dilemma is occurring. Right. What is the pool? It's the it's real attraction. And, yes. And you can't, you can't do that unless you actually feel like, Oh God, like these characters, like they are drawn to each other. Like, like there, there is, there is a, a, a serious, um, almost primal connection between these, these characters. So to, to, so to like, to tell audiences, these characters have a real strong connection without showing the, I mean, like, again, like it's theater, you show, you don't tell. Right. So show the connection, like, 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 like show this, this, this electric, this magnetic uh, connection between these characters. That is what is so important. So to, to do that, and then while shying away from nudity because you're worried about like it embarrassing either the performers or the audience, it's completely disingenuous to the message of the piece and, and, and the topics that need to be discussed in it, which are, which are provocative. Yes. And the piece is provocative, and it's not, it's not a bug, it's a feature. It's meant to be. It's it's and it and it and it delivers on it. So you have your actors that are game that are ready for this, and you've got your script. Mm-hmm. How do you start to approach those scenes? How do you how do you do it when it comes time to rehearse? How do you talk about it? How do you approach it? I mean, well, for, I mean, first you start with like, for instance, like a table read, which is what we did in our process, right. um, where you go through the whole thing, and and then we just went scene by scene and just, and just like, just, just worked it and, you know, opened, uh, opened up to, for questions and had conversations and really just like moved through the whole piece. And, it, and, and Noah can speak to this as well, but it was, it just was a very organic process. You know, obviously when it comes to a piece like this, where the actors, uh, need to be very intimate with each other, um, in a, myriad ways uh you know there also there needs to come um a lot of delicacy i think with with, with how you you handle the situation and and for me i'm not i'm not in it for the money like i'm in in it for the art and 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 that to me was like the most important thing and and you know and making sure that the actors understood uh that their comfort and their safety was our or a primary concern and then everything else was secondary was I was was the only way for me to really work on this piece and to move forward with it because because yes these actors are incredibly exposed in this piece and yes. they need all the support they can get yeah. um and that that to me is, is why I do it so that was that was the process Noah do you want to um elaborate at all yeah I mean um it it was very helpful to to have uh such a uh, a wide array of support. Um, we we found our way to the piece really organically with a lot of trust amongst uh, uh, the three of us in the piece, but also uh, through Asher and uh, his associate Robbie. And we had a, a fantastic uh, intimacy team that that just made us all feel comfortable and confident enough to proceed with this the, the way that we have. Um, if we if we approach it any other way, it, because the piece is when you when you break it down, the play is a, a, 
without honesty, it would be dishonest to do it any other way. And we're dead in the water, you know. Did anything surprise you about the project, the process of doing it? Or did you learn something about yourself like, oh, this is different than other projects I've worked on in this way? Um, I, so I, I actually, this is funny. I, I had this, I had this little meeting with Asher, like a, a 15 minute meeting on our, on our first day of rehearsal where I said my big fear, because I know the, the routes that the character can go down if played, if played differently, he can be very manipulative, dark and, and can come off conniving. And I know that as an actor, that is sort of a world that I like to live in. I've been cast in those roles a handful of times. Right. Uh, so my fear was my my natural response is to tap into that 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 darkness. Um, and I, I think through the process of just like a wonderful collaboration between all of us, I was able to find my way back to uh, being able to live there every now and then, but really, really living in the light. Uh, of the story because if if we don't if we don't show the joy of of all three uh of these of these of these beautiful people then the by the end when when it's time to live in that darkness it's it's not yeah i haven't cared about the journey to get there right i i guess from my point of view if josh comes off as kind of a jerk you're not left wrestling with the questions you're meant to be wrestling with. You have to exactly. kind of be, you have to relate to him. You have to be like, exactly. I get it. Um, and, and, um, the play isn't about one character being a villain. The, no, the play is about the lack of communication being the, the villain. And that's, that's what's interesting to watch because when you can hone in on that. Uh, you can, you can really pinpoint that like not any one person is really fully to blame. I would love to hear both of you talk about the electricity you feel from the audience because the night I was there, of course, everyone's there's a heightenedness because it's sexy and the the, the lighting and the set and the, everything's going right. And then somebody, one of the characters, says a line, and the audience literally gasps. I remember the audience gasping, and I don't know if I want to give away the line. It's a it's an important line somebody might say to somebody in a relationship, and everyone was just like. <gasps> Right? Do you know? Do you know what I'm that moment I'm talking about? And just talk to every me about night, the audience. Every single night, right? They just kind of go <gasps> every single night. I, I, yeah, I just uh, thought it was magical. And how do you, as an as an actor, you must want to like go yes, but you got to stay in it, obviously. Uh, uh, but uh, um, absolutely. Um, and but I, I I feel feeding off of that energy when I say what I say. Um, that would be, my natural response would be to react that uh, to that, that sort of gasping with excitement in, in the moment. So I, I, I'm able to use that for looking for clarification in that moment. And it, and it's, so it only helps. Right. But it's audible. I mean, sometimes I think as an actor, you're like, Oh, I can tell this audience is in it. But when you hear an audible gasp, I think it would make kind of throw you. What is it like Asher when you started hearing the audience respond that way? Well, it's interesting because obviously look, I mean, you, you, as as a creator, you want your audience to react to the things you've created. Um, it's very funny because I have a very different perspective on this particular moment that you're yes. talking about, um, which, you know, it doesn't really give anything away. One character professes their love for another character. And, and that I'm assuming is that, that yes. that's the gas yes. you're talking about. Yes. 
Um, and it's really indicative, ultimately, of how we perceive love in our society. Right. They said that, it. They said it. That well, the notion that um, that love is exclusionary, or that love is exclusive, rather that um, that in order for me to bestow love upon you, I have to take it away from somebody right. else. Um, which is not the case. And um, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience as someone who is poly um, and currently navigating a life with two uh, primaries in my life, um, it is very possible to love multiple individuals at the same time. And it's funny because we only, when it comes to, we only limit um, the availability of love when it comes to romantic relationships. Right, right. Because when it comes to platonic relationships, when it comes to familial relationships, we are not only told that it is possible to love multiple people, uh, we are encouraged to right. love as love many people everybody. as possible. We are encouraged to have as many kids as possible. And, you know, and, and we never, we never say to a parent like, oh, you had another child. Does, does that mean that you you don't love your previous child as much anymore. Right. No, because when it comes to, when it comes to parental love, again, when it comes to familial love or platonic love, we have boundless um, amounts of it. But when it comes right. to romantic love, there can only be the one. Right. I love it. What are some of the responses you've gotten from people afterwards? What are some of the conversations you've had? Has anything surprised you about them? I wouldn't say surprised. Take that one? Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've had quite a few breakups because of the play interesting uh, which is wonderful because <laughs> um, you and often I, hear of like um song, people songwriters saying oh people made babies to our song or like but like but you you don't often hear oh people people broke up because of our project that's anyone kind of I think it's really fantastic and healthy yeah. I knew a lot of people especially in the New York run who uh, refused to take their partners to see the play for fear of the conversations yes. it would engender. Um, and if your relationship is so fragile, is so unstable, that you don't think it can survive a conversation about a piece of art... What the fuck are you doing together? <laughs> exactly. I was recommending it to a friend of mine the other day, and they're in mm -hmm. a couple, and they they're they're open on some level. And I was, and the, I, after I said, "Oh, you guys should definitely see it. You'll re you'll relate to it." And there was a part of me that thought, "Oh shit, what if I? What if it opens a can of worms? I don't know." So I think that there, it, does. it should. Yeah, it should. Maybe those worms uh, no, need I mean, to the, breathe. The, 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 the matter is, 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 is that, like, we as a society, we are so afraid of our thoughts we are so petrified that our thoughts incriminate us in action and so because of that we don't have necessary conversations with the people we need to talk to about our thoughts because we're so afraid of, of, of like of like what that reveals about us and yeah. for me i always say like have the conversation like like if 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 something is revealed to you that that makes you both realize that you are no longer compatible as a couple wouldn't you want to know that sooner rather than later yeah wouldn't you want to give yourself the option of 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 moving on to or, or rather just like i, I originally say moving on to another relationship that is more healthy but i would even say not even that moving out of a relationship that's not working yeah you. 
Uh, especially, you know, in our society, we, we really um, value people based on their relationship status. Uh, because the, the notion is that with the 8 billion people on this planet, how is it that you are so broken that you can't find even one person to be with you? That is, that, that is how we look at it. So, so like when it comes right, to right, that, I felt that, I felt that, I really felt that in my core. Thank you. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, but, but because of that, like I, I, so many of us, there's a stigma around are, 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 are in relationships not because the relationship is really serving us, right? But because we're so afraid of being single in this mm. society and what that means. Yeah. So, so we will bl- gladly turn the other cheek. You know, uh, we will gladly close our eyes to the things that make us incompatible with our partners because right. the most important thing is to be in a relationship. At least I've got somebody. Not to be in the right relationship. The most right. important thing is to be in a relationship. Right. And that's just not true. Right. Noah, what are the conversations you have like with people that come see the show? Um, they're, they're fairly similar. I've, I've had, I've had my handful of people come up to me after the show and said, Oh my God, I, I never thought that I would relate so much to a, a character like Josh. I, I feel like I was listening to myself, talk to my husband, my partner, etc. Um, it's, it's funny. I knew going into this piece that the, the themes were universal, right. um, but hearing hearing the response of I, I have said those exact words to a partner before, right. regardless of, of, of who they are, uh, man, woman, any anyone, uh, uh, it's it's been refreshing to know that this story truly does uh, hit uh, everyone in in some way because because who hasn't been who hasn't been so desperate for love that they, that they seek it from somewhere that maybe they shouldn't or, or has been so open to the possibility of loving as many people as, as, as possible or, or has wanted a kind of stability in their relationship that they don't know how to ask for. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting. Josh has money of the three. He's the one that's the mm -hmm. most financially set. And I think that's a factor. Can you talk about that, Asher, and how that figures into the story and why you wanted to explore that? Sure. I mean, I think ultimately, it, it like, you really have to look at a character from all aspects. And, and for me, what was interesting about sort of like giving Josh money and giving him that kind of power was, was that it allowed... It allowed it. So that was in, in, in earlier iterations of the script, Josh's, um, Josh's wealth was really downplayed. Uh, and it was just kind of like, it was, it was almost like a throwaway line. If right. you caught it, you did. Um, and then we really leaned into sort of like, okay, like how can we up the drama on this? How can we up the stakes? And we decided that, you know, like, listen, we live in a capitalist society, yes. so it makes sense to lean into capitalism. Um, and I think it, it becomes easier for, so it's interesting when it comes to, so money can't buy happiness, right? Money can buy time. Yes. And time gets you happiness. Yes. Um, this is deep shit. I mean, I agree with that. 
So when it comes to Josh, especially by being sort of between these two men, shall we say? Yes. Um, Josh is able to do this because he doesn't have the same financial constraints as perhaps the other characters. Now, granted, his husband, Alex, married him. So, you know, so they're in the same boat, but also Alex does not come from money. And nice. the truth of the matter is it's very easy for a person who does come from money to say to the, their partner who doesn't come from money, but this is ours, you know, because yes, it's ours as long as we're together. Is it? Yeah. That, that he's thinking, is it like, but yes. And Alex is hustling in his career to try to, to become something. So he's in a totally different place. Whereas Josh is kind of like, I've, I've made it and I'm, I'm set. And Alex is hustling and he's grinding. And that dynamic is interesting too. Meanwhile, Josh comes home from a tryst and he's like, I've just been working. Like, I think these ideas of work and money and power and all of those dynamics really come through in the script. Uh, in addition to the romantic and sexual themes, which is, I think and I, I, great. But I will say just let's, one more thing when it comes to that, like, Again, when it comes to Josh specifically, um, his problems can become expenses. And that's, that's an important distinction to make yeah. because he's not, playing, he's not playing by the same rules as the other characters. Are. No. He has a certain amount of power, but with that, it's, yes. it, there's strings. Mm-hmm. There's complications. Well, it, 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 it also, it... Um... It sort of ties together this the, the the real problem of of the the marriage of of Alex and Josh, which is Josh lives in this constant state of delusional optimism. Well, people and, don't and tell Josh no. He's exactly. flying high and he's a director. He's successful. I bet he doesn't get a lot of no, right? He he doesn't get no. Yeah, that's Josh is very good at getting his way. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it doesn't go his way, he is able to make it work for him somehow. Yeah. As I was watching the play and the dynamics were so rich and even and complicated, I thought, how the fuck are they going to end this? Because certain endings would make you think, oh, it, I, they, it would weigh in on a, in a moral way. And I don't think that's what you're going for with this. So I was like, how are you going to end this? And I don't want to give away the ending. But I thought that, that it worked and I thought it was perfect. But Asher, for you, how are you thinking about the ending without giving it away? Or can do you have anything to say about it? Uh, I don't um, want you to, to spoil anything. So I will. I, I will say that it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I will say that for me, it was really important to not tie up all the loose ends um, because that's not how life works. Mm. And I love giving the actors the freedom to make different choices um, and have that affect the end of the play, essentially. Um, yeah, for, for me, I also think that, like, you do more thinking as an audience member when you are Absolutely. unsettled. Yeah. When, when everything is wrapped up, you have nothing to talk about because it all went the way you wanted it to go. Um, you know, and that, 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 was, that was something that, like, I remember in New York, we would have talkbacks. Every time there would be some audience member who, who would ask, okay, well, what happens next? Like, how, how does it end? And my right. response was, well, how do you think it ends? Right. Because that's the thing when it comes to art. You can work on something until you're blue in the face. And you can put all the things in it or take all the things out of it. But ultimately, if somebody gets something from your art, 
whether or not you put it there intentionally, it's there. There it is. I love it. All right. And you sold it with that eyebrow. David Lynch of you. I know. First of all, your eyebrows are very expressive. Um, Josh, do you ever get those? Thank you. I've been working on them. Thank you. No, (laughs) do you ever get those moments of like, oh, that that, that one with the eyebrow, I I get that. That landed. That's Uh, that's kind of a superpower. Oh, yeah. Um, Noah, I would think doing a show like this where you're so exposed, so emotional, so naked, it, it might be empowering afterwards like you walk a little taller like i did that like i i don't know is it does it liberating in a way does it make you feel like yeah i i did this yeah i i, I mean it uh, full disclosure this is not the first time i've done nudity on stage right. um so I, I i walked into this fairly fairly confident but um i think that uh play with this kind of intense vulnerability is is really rare so yeah, yeah it's it, not it, just the nudity it's the story yeah, and the, it's and the, the, scene. the story I, I i mean i feel even more vulnerable in this play when i'm fully clothed than i do when i'm naked right when i'm naked uh we're having fun it's laughs it's it's a good time um when I'm fully clothed, I am far more vulnerable than I've ever been. Uh, and there is a there is a, a brief moment that the three of us share backstage every night, where we all come together for a group hug and walk out feeling feeling pretty pretty proud of of, of what we've done. Yeah, because um, I think it takes courage. Yeah, it, it absolutely does, and um, it. It is something that I, I and not to pat myself or, or anyone on the back, but it is uh, a play that requires a certain kind of actor with a certain kind of confidence. And I, I think Asher lucked out and found three people who have the kind of confidence to, to, to bring this piece to life and, and found a swing who can uh, bring this piece to life. Yeah. And I would think it bonds you in a way that you might not feel with other types of shows. Going through oh, that kind I, of stuff. I, I have a I have a relationship with with uh, with Nathan and, and James in in a way that I've never shared uh, with off uh, off stage with scene partners. Yeah, um, there's some really interesting movement in the piece, Asher. And I know you come from a dance background. I, I'm a dancer, and um, I've also noticed that dancers aren't as uptight about nudity. Just we've changed in front of you know we've changed in closets. Of, like we're we're not mm-hmm. that that's part of that territory. But why was that important for you to include and, um, and and talk a little bit about that stylized movement that I think really adds so much to the piece? Um, so it was funny because when, when we first did the piece five years ago in New York, I really wanted to move away from my choreographic background. Um, Interesting. And so I was like, no, like I'm a playwright. I'm yes, a director. I'm serious. I'm yes. Serious, like straight play. Well, you will not get a single kickball change out of me. Not a single one. <laughs> no, not, no, sir. <laughs> um, and, and then like through that process, eventually like my other collaborators were like, wait, Asher, don't you have this like whole, because I was, I had never worked in the city before. So, so like nobody knew me. I was, right. I was, I was, you were reinventing you know, yourself kind of as an artist. Um, you could say, this is my vibe. Right. And so like all, all the people I was working with in New York were like, Asher, like you're a choreographer. Like, why are you doing this with one hand tied behind your back? And sort of at, at like the final sort of moment of that process, I was like, okay, fine. And like started choreographing things, but it was very, it was, it was, it was not, I would say this production LA is really where 
I lean into my choreographic background. And, and for me, what was interesting was also like the, the first dance between Josh and Darius um, really allowed me to, again, show, not tell, what is this relationship between the two of them? Like, what is back and forth? Like, what yes. is the power exchange? They what are connected. Dynamic? They are connected in a special way because they can move this way together. It underscores mm-hmm. the um, the intimacy and the the chemistry, I guess. And what was also interesting was that being able to use dance in that way to tell that story to to, to it allowed me in a way to actually get away with more. Because with this dance, these two characters, they're not touching. They, they, are, they are tracing each other with just like a centimeter of space yes. between them. And because of that, like, I, we can get like way more intimate, way more sexual, um, you know, th- than, if, than if we had the characters like actually touching and actually like, and actually like being uh, like, like sensual with each other or sexual, you know, like... Um, and because of that, also it allows us as the audience to to imagine more. You know, it, it's always the monster you don't see on screen is always way more terrifying than whatever they end up throwing up on the screen. Yeah. You know, don't don't show me the don't show me the monster. Right. Show me everybody's reactions to the monster, but don't show me the monster because the moment you take show me the monster, then I know what the monster is, and then it's no longer as scary. But like, and, and obviously this is a different animal. But but being able to really go into a central world with the movement um, allowed us to again to really illustrate, I would say, the most effectively what these relationships are. Uh, because we can take them into a heightened artistic space and because we know that like, oh, it's sex and it's dance. Yeah. It it underscores the deep connection, the special connection between these two characters. Um, Noah, what's what was it like to work on those kind of scenes? Um, Yeah. Well, I I feel as though, uh, and, and having seen it in New York um, and, and see, and knowing the differences between the show then and now, I feel as, I feel as though Asher really, um, one became a, a lot more confident in 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 the piece and the the story that he was uh, trying to tell. And when when you when you have a, a playwright and a director who is that confident in the story, you allow you invite the audience to be intelligent and to trust in in how intelligent they are as an audience. And so. Um, exploring some uh, some sexual or sensual scenes in that way while inviting the audience's imagination to come into play um, it 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 allows me to to be freer and more creative it allows me to focus more on the connection with uh, with Nathan with the other actors um, and I think it it tells the story uh, in 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 ways that um, actual physical intimacy can't always right and it's surprising you don't as the audience yeah. you don't expect it and you're like well, you oh. expect me to open the door and for us to just be all over each other because right. in the previous scene we talked about how we were going to be all over yeah. each other it's, and it just works it works gay, great i just thought the production in general was was wonderful the music the lighting and the, the working shower um how does that actually work like like how hot is the water i'm so curious just about it's how hot. that works it's not hot <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. But you, but you roll with it. it, Is it, is it it still freezing? Yes. It's not freezing anymore. Right. 
the first few weeks, it was, it was, it was frigid. Right. I, uh, I mean, my nipples could cut glass. Right, and you got goosebumps. Uh, <laughs> right, that could be the everywhere. title. That could be the title of this podcast. I always look for yeah. one quote to pull out. Yeah. Um, the running joke for a while has been like the greatest acting you'll see on this stage is the actors pretending this water is warm. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's, a, it's comfortable now. It's it's, <laughs> it's comfortable. Right on. Good. Well, it, it's used so effectively and it's used so beautifully. And I would think as an actor, it's just something different. It's just the, another element. That's yeah, like, I mean, I can confidently say I've never taken a shower on stage yeah. before. There used to be a gay bar in New York called Splash, and the Go-Go Boys would, would perform in showers. And I used to imagine that they would go home at the end of the night and then take a shower. <laughs> I don't know if that is that the case with you. Do you go home after and yeah. take another one? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel I, uh, yeah. With warm I water. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I, I need to decompress a little bit. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll see a play where there's a scene that for some reason is so intense, either emotionally or physically, and I feel like I can't believe they do that eight times a week or however many times it is. And there was one scene in this that I, I just, that I found so, um, I don't want to give anything away, but I just found it so hard to... To, to feel the feelings of that character that I'm like that they do that eight times a week. Um, is this laundry day? It's laundry day. I felt it. We've been there. It's devastating. I guess for Josh and, and both of you, it, there's an emotional, at the end you must come out like emotionally spent. I would think. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I leave the theater exhausted every night. Um, especially when you've got somebody Bearing their soul, uh, and, and you know, I don't, I don't really have a big emotional moment like that. But having to listen to and experience that happen at me, being there for yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, and I think for Nathan to to it's his performance mm -hmm. in that, it's, it's stellar. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it just kind of kills you. Um, yeah, don't tell him that. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Don't tell yeah, him that. Is he? Yeah, don't tell him that. No, tell him he's doing fine. Tell him he's doing yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will, I will say, though, to that fact, though, like, like it was, I mean, this, this scene was designed to, to be gut-wrenching. Yes, I, the language, you know, what I, people I, say, I, the silences, all of it, the crafting of it on your part, Asher, yes. Thank you. I mean, when, when, I, when, I, when I put it, I, I remember, like, because for me, like, the way, the way I write scenes often is I'll, I'll, just, I'll just sit there and I will just be the characters and and like really like allow myself to get into that emotional headspace so like i remember one you know when writing that scene really having to go like deep and and, and get like get hurt um and i you know like this was my version of like, like you know, the mother of all breakup scenes um you know where where one character goes and expecting it to not be that bad and uh, and then it's worse than they could have ever yes. expected. Oh, God. And we've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> You've done the show in different cities. How is it played differently? Have you noticed anything about that, Asher? It's hard to say what, how it's playing in L.A. yet, because I think it's still quite fresh. Um, I would say that with, like, New York, it very much became this, like, this like word of mouth kind of like um, there's this teeny tiny little theater that's doing this show that's about us like 
let's go see it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, like Afterglow, it was never designed to be a play for everyone. Um, I do believe, I mean, we have certainly tried to, to craft this such that it is a universal story, but it's not one that I, I am fully aware that it's, it takes a lot for, it, it takes a lot to get certain, certain demographics, shall we say, into our theater. And it's not, the juice is not worth the squeeze there. I will say that I think that everybody can get something out of it. Right. Um, but I, but I think what, what I will say is interesting about, about the way it's being received in LA is that, um, there are like so many women in the audience. I wanted to ask about that. Um, yeah. And when we did it in New York, um, I remember like reading performance reports that our stage manager would send and like every, you know, every like couple of weeks. Or so she would write in like, Tonight there was a girl in the audience. Wow, you know? one. Um, so I think that that like not unexpected. I think that queer stories have become more mainstream, and I yes. think that straight uh, audiences are able to see themselves in queer stories more than they used to. Yes. Um, because it's no longer the whole like, oh God, like if I can relate to this character, it must mean I'm gay. Um, and, and like, so I do think that we are getting a much more mixed audience. Like I, I remember for instance, when we did Afterglow in New York, like it was like women, when women would come, they would come by themselves or they would come with their girlfriends. Right. And here I'm noticing that like, there are a lot of like, or at least straight presenting couples that are showing up to this one. And like, you'll have like straight dudes who come see the show and they have like thought, feelings and emotions. And That's all interesting. That in a way that, mm. that we just didn't have in New, in New York. Like, I feel like for instance, like I'll just, you know, when the actors in New York would invite their, their girlfriends to come see the show, the girlfriends would come by themselves or with, right. or with other girl, other, other women. Whereas I feel like here and no, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the the women come with their boyfriends no, or absolutely. with their male friends or whatever. I think straight men would have a very interesting reaction to this because the characters in it are men who are sexual and maybe yes. not buying in not buying into the conventional rules of heteronormative society. They're mixing them up. And I think that would be interesting to some people for sure. Um I remember Queerest folk, they used to have a lot of female viewers that loved it. So it's it's not surprising that uh, that you're you're seeing that. And mm-hmm. recently, Take Me Out is showing on Broadway, and there's a nude scene in that with the shower, and it, it is well known. And recently, a friend of mine sent me a text with um, the actor Jesse Williams's you know penis, and it, it, somebody had snot, shot it from the audience, and I was so bummed out about it. I was like, it made me sad that I got this text. And I was like, no, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to do something. They're trying to be grownups, rise to the occasion. Don't be that dude. And I, I, it bummed me out. And I imagine that you guys are dealing with this vibe a fair amount, maybe not as much as I expected, or maybe more. How do you navigate all of the tee-hee-hee-ness of the nudity and the stuff? Cause it's not what the show is about. And that's what I want to underscore. Um, I would just yeah. say be fucking much enough for this show if you're going to come see the show yes yeah like get if you want to see just dicks on stage there are plenty of other places yes. to do that 
that's not what this is. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I like I like to joke, you know, like come for the dick, save for the drama. Right. But that's because I know that there's there's more to this show, and like mm-hmm. and, and and like and, and I, I fully appreciate the fact that like yes, that the nudity is a draw, and it was something that that you know that that we told the actors from the beginning and said like yes, we know that there is more to this piece than the nudity. That but. but like we also know that we live in a very specific society that yes. has society that has very specific views on sex. And like on one hand, like, you know, we use sex to sell literally everything. And on the other hand, we're supposed to be absolutely ashamed of it. So yes. we told them, like, listen, like, we're gonna sell we're, we're gonna sell the sex of this, we're gonna make you into into, into sex symbols, and like that's gonna be part of the marketing because ultimately we need to put asses in seats, you know. And but like when it comes down to it, like <laughs> The Jesse Williams, I'm going to call it a situation. Right, because I can see it on your face. There's something so disappointing about it, it, isn't there? It is such a gross violation. Yes. It is such a gross violation. This theater, and and it's funny because I also got the same text. Got the same text that day from a friend who sent it to me. And then when you open the text, it says, it says at the top of that page, like, the extraordinary lengths that the theater went to to prevent this video from being taken. Right. And yet we were able to do it, which is like, God, like how many levels of consent do you need to just blow past right. to, to get what you need? Fuck all the way off. Fuck right. all the way yeah. off. Especially and if, anybody, if- anybody, anybody who shared that image of Jesse Williams owes it to second stage theater to buy a fucking ticket. And guess what? If you're not in New York, buy a ticket for someone who is in New York. Because right. you owe that theater, you, you owe that production your patronage because you took something from them. Yes. And I don't care if you were the person who filmed it or the person who shared it. You took something that you knew was not meant to be shared. Right. You shared it anyway. Right. And, and I think the theater, is a, the theater is a sacred fucking space. Yes. It is a tacit agreement between the audience and its performers. Because the truth of the matter is that regardless of what, what a whatever production is, like you trust that me as an audience member, that I'm not just going to stand up in the middle of the show and just start screaming at the stage. That I am sitting there behaving myself like a fucking adult. And, and when, 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 when this thing happened with Jesse Williams, I got so angry. Right, I can uh, see like it, I, I can have, feel it. And I, have, I, I relate I to it. These actors... Who are who go on stage in front of an audience naked, and they're not naked for a little bit; they're naked for a lot bit. And and the fact that like, I mean, it's it's also in the pre-show announcement. You know, we we tell people that you know if that that, 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 that there's absolutely no filming of the show, of the show, no recording of the show at all uh, allowed. That the actors do not consent to being filmed or photographed. And if audience members see anybody do, uh, doing such, they need to report them to the house manager so they will be escorted from, ejected from the theater and fined. But, like, what is up with this culture where, like, we just throw consent to the wind? There's this idea that um, because you're an actor and in, in some way, shape, or form you're in the public eye, that you rescind your right to consent to your, your, your image, your body, and, and it's just ridiculous. Uh, the the way that that uh, people so haphazardly shared that photo, it's it's disgusting. It it shows uh, a complete lack of respect for 
uh, Jesse Williams as a, as a, as a person, uh, it shows a complete lack of respect for the, the, the play itself. It shows a complete lack of respect for, for theater as an art form. And it's, it's just, what more do you need <laughs> to, to, to believe that, um, just because somebody consents to performing nude in a show that you don't own the the right to see their body whenever you'd like. Yes. I was offended by it. And I imagine yeah. for you guys being in a similar arena, it, it was Terrifying. just incensing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it says something about America, doesn't it? Doesn't it say something about our culture that yeah. we're sort of purient, but we, but we can't really be grownups. I feel like I want Biden to give a, we're having a crisis of maturity <laughs> speech, you know, cause it, it extends yeah. to so many areas of our culture. Um, but, um, anyway, I, mean, I digress. It's, it, um, <laughs> no, ultimately it's not to go down, down, down this tangent, but it's capitalism. We, we live in a capitalist society. What can I have? What can I, what can I make mine? Um, you know, what can I take? Yeah. And, and I remember one of the arguments when I, when I, when I let my friend have it for sharing this, this image was like, oh, well, you know, like he had to have known that it was going to get out there some, somehow. And like, sure. Like you go through, you know, like, like if you, again, like just like the person who posted it, if you are determined enough, you will find a way to make it happen. Yeah. That's the truth of the matter is also like when, when, when it comes to, to our show, like we can do everything we, 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 we want. Uh, everything we, we we can to make our our actors as safe as possible, as protected as possible. The truth of the matter is, you're determined enough to get that footage. You'll get it. You'll get it. Um, and I think we really need to ask ourselves, like, like why why as a society were we all just so okay with this? Like, why why was it that like this was sent to people and then, and then immediately everyone was like, oh my God, I need to send it to everybody else. I saw somebody post on fucking Instagram. Uh, what was it? It was like that Jesse Williams tape deserves, deserves its own Tony. And I just thought it was just the most like, 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 Oh, missing gross. the point entirely. Gross. Missing the point entirely. Because this was a moment of, it was an extreme breach of consent. Mm. Um, and and we should all be like very concerned with. I personally what felt this violated. Means. I mean, and, yeah, and, and not not just as an actor who's who's uh, performing nude on stage. Uh, actor, anybody in the entertainment industry should take that as, as a violating act. Right, I, I, and it made me call into question my friend. Like I, I was like, yeah, it, it, it really kind. Of, if I did a number on me. It must really resonate with you guys in a not so great way, um, <laughs> but but that's part of why your play is important because you've got to challenge yeah. this stuff. You've got to, and that's why yeah, I, I admire what you all created so much that you were like, yes, it's sexy, and yes, it's about all of this other stuff, and uh, and and I love what it says about polyamory that it's not immoral necessarily, but it can't be complicated. Um, we didn't talk a lot about Alex, the character of Alex played by James Hayden Rodriguez. And you do something very smart with him. He plays Josh's husband. He is not defensive. He's not against all of this stuff. Cause if he were, it would be very easy to see those scenes. He's given it the old college try. He's, you know, and I think that is what's really part of what's interesting about the dynamic is that, it would be very easy for his character to be like, I can't handle it, shut it down. No. 
but then you don't yeah. then you don't wrestle with the stuff, right? Talk about the performance and also the the writing of that character. The character is based on my husband Mati, um, and I really liked leaning into the idea of. So it's funny because the three professions are uh, of the characters: Josh as the director. Alex as a chemistry student and Darius as massage therapist. Um, they were all the professions of the, of, of the, the, the characters or, or the, of the humans they were based on at the time that this incident happened. And like, those, and the professions how, matter. Those professions matter what they're doing, whether yes. they're creative, whether they have to study hard, they're, they're relevant. Um, and, the, and that comes through. So I've always thought of, of, of Darius massage therapist as sort of like the body um, Alex, the chemistry student, as the mind, and Josh, the theater director, as the soul. Mm. Um, Interesting. And and so for me, like again, when it comes to Alex, it was Alex is very specific. He's very particular. He everything he does is deliberate, and he's very logical. And when it came to judging this show um it really was about uh like okay like how can we how can we make josh less of an asshole how can we get how how can we give him no how can we give him a better argument yeah because ultimately like that's what wins alex over alex is is logical beyond everything else right um and so there's this this new there's this new text at the end of of Josh and Alex's first big scene together, just the two of them, where um, where Josh ostensibly asks Alex for permission to pursue this relationship with Darius, and he says, "I, you know, I can't fulfill all of your needs, and I know you can't fulfill all of mine because that's an impossible burden to place on anyone." Um, if there was something that you needed and I couldn't provide it for you, I would want you to have it, even if it was with someone else. Um, and and that's not something that was there in 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 the past. And that that actually came out of conversations that that my husband and I had when when like when it became clear that that my relationship with my boyfriend was really starting to to become something substantial, because my husband and I have been together for thirteen years, and we knew from the very beginning. That, like that we were committed to each other and we've spent the past 13 years zeroing in on like what is that commitment and what are the things that are simply commitment adjacent like is is sex that is some, something that is exclusive to our relationship and if not why not is love something that is exclusive to our relationship if not why not so the idea when it came to sort of building this alex character was like okay let's let's not make it emotional Let's make it logical. Let's let's find a logical approach because that way we can also. It's also a great way of leading the audience, especially those those audience members who are who are coming at it from a more logical perspective right. than an emotional perspective. Like how everybody can get on board, how all these decisions can be made. Because yes, like I'm sure there are some people who are, you know, who are watching that scene where Josh is essentially asking Alex if he can like pursue this relationship with Darius. And I'm sure there are a bunch of people in the audience who are like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what, what the fuck are you thinking? What are you doing? Right. Like, you're, you're playing with fucking fire. Right. But yet, 
Josh is able to put up a really great argument. Yeah. And that, and ultimately, like, Alex sees this whole relationship as an experiment. It's something that we wanted to lean into, that we did lean into in the New York production, but we leaned even more in the Los Angeles production, was the relationship between Alex and Darius. Mm-hmm. Was the fact that, like, that as Josh and Darius become boyfriends, Alex and Darius essentially become girlfriends. And that, and that they, they, they're, that is, that heightens the tragedy of, of, of the piece. Yes. What, like that everything is so close to working out so yeah. well. It's not Brandy and Monica and, singing the boy is mine or whatever it was. No, right? no, no. it's more complicated. Like, well, yeah. Because also Darius is, is such, such a different character than the person he was based off of because the person he was based off of was ultimately like much, a much more cliche sort of like home recory type who, you know, who made it very clear to me at the beginning of the relationship when I told him like, Hey, like my husband is my, my husband, Mati is my primary partner. He will always come in first place. Um, you will never come. You will never match his, his position in my life. He was totally fine with it. And then it became very clear as the relationship progressed that like, Oh, actually, this is somebody who is actively working to supplant yeah. um, my husband as, as the most important person in my life. Um, and, and so to remove the villainy from it and, and say, okay, like D- D- Darius is actually the one who of all the characters is checking in the most. Um, I would say to, to, to really, you know, and then, and then how do, how does that affect everybody else? So yes, like with the Alex of it all, Alex becomes much more logical, much more like, okay, let's try this experiment. Uh, Josh becomes more culpable because he's not being manipulated by Darius. Um, and ultimately, like, Josh is the, 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 the person who is most negatively affected by Josh's manipulations is Josh. Um, I, I, I always say that the, the, the greatest manipulation any manipulator can manipulate is on themselves. Yeah. You're such an interesting thinker and writer. I want to see this other play safe word. What's going on with it? When can I see it? I don't know. We'll All right. See. All right. Posted. I just think you're really brilliant. I think you're a brilliant thinker and a brilliant writer. And so I'm, I, and I like Thank you. I like where you're, what you're interested in writing about. I don't think it's being covered uh, very much in our culture and it's important mm-hmm. and it's, it's grown up and we need it. Um, okay. Do you have a favorite moment in the show? Uh, Noah, do you have a, is there a moment that you love the most? If I had to hone in on one, it would have to be the, the gasp. Asher, I know you wrote the whole thing, so it's probably hard, but are there any moments that you love? Woody Allen and Sunni. Oh, the, the <laughs> yeah, comment? Yes. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's a monologue. Well, yeah. Well, 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 I mean, it's... It's a dialogue about it's them. It's the same moment. Yeah. It's the same moment. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's what, it's the, it's the whole chain that leads into the gasp. And yeah. it's funny because that scene was actually the first scene that I wrote for the play. Interesting. I wrote, I wrote that scene first, and then I went from the beginning to that scene, and then from, and then, and, and then I wrote the end, and then wrote from that scene to the end. Interesting. Uh, for me, again, like the, the notion of, of the two of them, like they have this, just this, this moment of just absolute bliss. And, and like, we're talking about Josh and we're talking about Josh Darius. and Darius. And Darius, yes. On the rooftop. 
Yes. Um, and, and for me, like that, that whole exchange from Woody Allen, Soon Yi leading to the ghast, that to me, that is like, that is the heart of the show. That is the chef's kiss yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we're watching it going, that's beautiful, but it can't, we can't capture it. We can't, ca- we can't, you can't hold it. That's the no. that's part of the beauty and what the play is asking us to think about. Oh, I have a shallow question that I wanted to ask you. I always wanted to have long hair like you, but I never quite had. It doesn't do that. Okay. You have you have that's long, hair. flowing hair. What's the best part about it, and what's like? Okay, this isn't the fun part. What do I love it? And Josh, you look very interested. You look riveted to this. Uh, or I, I keep calling you Josh. Uh, Noah. Okay. No, I, yeah. I I I toyed around with having long hair, and I, I just I I couldn't get. I, yeah. It was too much to upkeep. Yeah. So. So, so that's that's the worst part. Is yeah, that it's like it's a to do, and like even like coming, like even though I knew that this this interview wasn't going to be like wasn't going to be broadcasting my right. face, I like I was run, I was running late. I like ran into the bathroom, I like threw some dry shampoo in, and I was like, oh god, I got got to fix this. So like it can it can be a bit much to to handle, but like I mean, it's long, it's luxurious, it's. it's <laughs> It's worth it. I I do love it, but I I know that like it's there's just this day that's coming. I don't know when it's coming. Um, there's a day that's coming. Where I'm gonna be like, get rid of it. I'm just gonna get get just cut it all off. Yeah. The the moment I want long hair for is when you come out of the pool and you go like that. Although yours may be too long to actually capture that. The pool shake. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I I I, I do more of the, the whole like uh, Little Mermaid, jumping uh, <laughs> from the sea, flipping my hair all the way back, right. watching that arc of water. Yes. So that, you know what? That's my mo. That's way better than the, even the thing I was fantasizing about. You guys are so fun to talk to. I think what you're up to is so cool. Before I ask the final question, how can people see your show? How can they learn about it? Afterglowtheplay.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Afterglow the Play. Um, we are currently on sale through June 19th. I'm exceptionally proud of this production. This this production, we really gave it the uh, quote-unquote afterglow up, so to speak. We, <laughs> we, we, we took the New York production, which, which at its core, I, I, I still believe it was, it was a beautiful production. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful production that lacked a budget because, again, this was, this was a, supposed to run for eight weeks. And... This one, we knew we had something special. We really, like, we, we got the entire original creative team to come back and do it again, which is such a rare moment. Again, with all of us, with five more years of personal and professional experience, and then to do it with this exceptional, like, new crop of, of actors uh, and crew, um, we have made something very, very special for Los Angeles. And I am I'm really excited for... Los Angelinos to experience this. Um, so I really, I highly encourage everybody who is even thinking about possibly doing this show or, or going to see the show to just go fucking grab a ticket. Again, afterglowtheplay.com, at afterglowtheplay on Instagram. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to come and see it again. I definitely want to come and see it again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Final question for both of you. What is it meant to do this production of this show at this time coming out of the pandemic? What has it meant for you in your life? Asher, you can take that first. Oh, I want I want you to take this first, Noah. <laughs> okay. You, you've, you've loved me enough of, enough of these. I'm gonna I'm gonna get all right, all right, all right. Um, so 
prior to the pandemic, I was on tour with a uh, with a Broadway musical that shut down after playing a month in LA. Um, we were all sent home. I was off my lease in New York City, so I at 26 years old moved in with my mother. I love my mother to death, but no 26-year-old man who has lived on his own for several years should ever have to live with his mother. And what show were you in? I Was it Escape from Margaritaville, which I read in, in yeah, the program? Yeah, Escape from Margaritaville, yeah. And, you know, it, it, I, I, my first few weeks of rehearsal, I was saying, you know, this is the, this is the first time in, in two years that my job has been to say more than three lines. So uh, <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been not only challenging in... But it has been incredibly rewarding. It's been wonderful to step into a, a piece that's been done before, but was as collaborative as uh, a brand new devised piece. Um, we had no expectation to remount the uh, the off Broadway production, um, and it, it allowed a kind of creativity that I haven't felt in a very long time. And I am just so immensely grateful for that. And so proud to show that to audiences. I love it. Um, Asher, what has this production meant for you coming back to it? God, so many things. Um, so again, we were, we were supposed to mount the production in spring 2020. Um, and the last production that I had done was in April, 2020, uh, sorry, April, 2019. Um, my show safe word and having, having the distance, like I, not to discount any of the devastation. Uh, and there was a lot of it that happened over the past two years. I personally really needed a pause. I really needed a break. I needed the space to do a lot of internal work on myself. Um, and I, I am grateful that we did not get the chance to do this show two years ago. That it didn't happen because I'm grateful that it did not happen. I was supposed to, um, because I, I also like, I got to find, I got to figure out more who I was. Um, also just a bit of context when we, mounted the show in New York five years ago. Um, my husband and I were blissfully unaware that we were polyamorous. We were already in a relationship uh, with our partner, Tony. Um, we just had no idea and kind of figured it out several months after the production closed. Um, move, now, five years later, um, not only have we like fully embraced our poly lifestyle, um, I... I went out to LA with my boyfriend Stefano um, to, to to live together while I put the show up, and having a much more nuanced understanding of of like actual like functional polyamory, how it, wor- to, how it actually works day to day, how how it how it can work, yes um, was really really interesting to come in to this production and really judge the play because ultimately like. Yes, Noah's right. It wasn't a remount. And we didn't make any huge, huge, huge like changes to the play. A lot of the changes are really subtle. A lot of changes have to do with like specific word choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, so to be able to come back 
five years after mounting the original New York production, and then eight years after the uh, relationship that inspired it. Because I wrote Afterglow as a sort of like a, I knew that I had done something wrong eight years ago. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And so I wrote Afterglow as a sort of way of, of sort of doing like CSI relationship. Right. It was an, uh, auto- it was an autopsy on your relationship. It was relationship. an autopsy. Yeah. And, and so, so to be able to like come back to it now, understanding like, okay, like it wasn't my falling in love with someone that was the cardinal sin. Because again, that's, that's, that's the gas. That's a, oh my God, like this, this character loves somebody else. Um, it's not the cardinal sin. The cardinal sin that I had committed was that I was not communicating effectively. And I was, I was telling half truths. Uh, and I was, I was, I, I was lying by omission. And so to be able to come into this process again, like, like fully embracing my, my, my poly lifestyle, shall we say, um, really added that extra element. And it really did feel like a coming of full circle where like, you know, you look five years ago, it's clear, like, Oh, like, I guess I probably have some sort of interest in polyamory. I wonder why that could be right. uh, to, to then like, you know, fast forward five years later. And then suddenly like, yes, like there is a reason there's a deeper reason that I wrote this play and I am living that reason. And I've also sort of figured out like what, what not to do. It was interesting. Cause when I, cause my boyfriend, Steph, had never seen the show in New York. He had meant to, but then it closed and he just didn't get a chance to. Uh, we weren't together at the time, so it's fine. I'm not mad at him about it. Uh, but when, when we, he came to a rehearsal, which was, um, which was fortunately slash unfortunately the second half of the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's intense stuff. Laundry which, day. You know, of, of, of course, like, it was he obviously day. relates very much to the Darius character. Of course. Uh, and, you know, we were, we were in our car crying at each other with me saying repeatedly, but that's not us. That's not us. That's not us. You know, um, it, it was, it was really beautiful to be able to work on this show while living with him in LA. And then to have my entire polycule come out for opening with all of my friends. It was, it really felt again, like, like a coming home. And like really understand that okay, like I know what this piece is yeah. now, and be able to to really come in with that that knowledge and confidence, and be able to again, like not just you know uh, personally, also professionally, like really having leaned more into my dance background, and be able to be uh, a much more well rounded multi hyphenate, and mm. bringing all of that back in again with this incredible team that really elevated it far beyond anything that any one of us could have made. Um, I can't be more proud of the show. I am so happy that we got to do this the way that we did it. And it is such a joy, such a joy to be working in the room, building a thing in the room with people again. God, thank God we are back. It, oh. has, been, it has been such a rewarding experience and I cannot express how grateful I am for it. Right. You guys, thank you so much for your, your time today and for talking so honestly and openly and for your great work. I really hope a lot of people go and see the show. I definitely want to come and see it again. Thank you. Go heat up that water for the show. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. Thanks again to S. Asher Gelman and Noah Bridgestock from Afterglow. Go see their show. It's so good. All right. So this happened. 
Um, by the time you listen to this, the mismatch game will have happened here in Los Angeles. That's the game show parody that I that I produce a few times a year and host at the Gay and Lesbian Center. Um, that will have happened by the time you hear this. But there is something fun about it that you can still enjoy. So last weekend, I believe it was Thursday night, um, I'm obsessed with the Nicole Kidman AMC commercial where she's like, we come to this place for magic. Somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. That's my favorite line. Anyway, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's camp, but I also think it's amazing. It's her, her commitment, man. She's so in it. I think it's better than her being the Ricardo's performance, personally. But that's just me. Anyway, we decided to do a parody of that commercial starring my friend Danny Casillas as his drag character, Reba Ariba. Um, so we go to the Gay Lisbon Center. They let us shoot in there in the theater. It looks, you know, red seats. It's very cool. They help us with the lighting. Um, I break down the original commercial shot by shot, and we do our best to match things. And uh, my friend Glenn Gaylord is there to help us with the Nicole Kidman matching. My friend Felix Pyre is shooting it. I get my friend Matt Zarley to edit it. It's all my friends coming together to, to help us do this silly Nicole parody video to promote the show. But it all came together great. It really makes me laugh. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. I'm really happy with the way it came. Before I let you go, shout out to AJ Souza for mixing our episodes and for uh, giving us some additional technical support. I'd like to say thanks to JB Bursey. The theme music is composed by Mark Daniels and licensed through Placement Music as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.